Welcome to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. John is the bishop of the Interdenominational Order of Missioners of the Holy Spirit, and he's the founder of Hope on the Way Ministries. Now, join Father John and discover hope and relevant answers in following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Today's message is entitled, The Gospel, and you'll love this, and the return of the full meal deal. Our reading is from the lectionary, the epistle to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 1-5a. Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our Gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Alright, this is the Gospel and the return of the full meal deal. I got some bad news at the beginning of this message, but we'll get to the good news, I promise. But the bad news is that every statistical research organization in the United States is saying the same thing, is that our country is growing more and more post-Christian. And if you're listening in Canada, it's even worse there. And if you're listening in Europe, you know what we're talking about because it's even worse there. The area I live in, which is in the Portland, Oregon metro area, is especially post-Christian. And this is really no surprise at all. We've seen this coming for a long, long time. Twenty years ago, we had some folks from Europe visit the Portland area, and they told us that where you are now, we were 20 years ago. And where we are right now, you'll be 20 years from now. And it's true. Their prediction has totally come true. In the last 20 years, we've become even more and more post-Christian in our culture. You see, there's been a mega shift. We've gone in the space of 150 years from a Western culture that was pervasively Christian, or if you prefer this term, Christendom, to a post-Christian culture that has a memory of its Christian past, but has little respect and little interest in that Christian past or continuing it into the present. We've gone from a modern society where modern ways of thinking, or if you would, enlightenment ways of thinking prevailed, to a society that has become increasingly postmodern in its perspective. 
rejecting the idea of absolute truth and even absolute reality. Especially in regards to religion. The priority of the church in the 21st century in the West must be to re-evangelize post-Christian culture. Let me say that again. The priority of the church in the West must be to re-evangelize the post-Christian West. Now, I'm not saying we should make the West into Christendom again. I don't believe that's going to happen. But we need to go about this difficult task of re-evangelizing the post-Christian people of our culture. And if you don't agree with that, honestly, if you're antagonistic to that, I would just advise those of you listening to me right now to go ahead and turn me off. Or turn the volume way down at least, because I don't think you're going to like what I have to say, but if you, if you agree with that, or if you think, hey, maybe that's true, then listen on, please. To do the task of re-evangelizing the West, we have to recover our identity as the apostolic church that was founded by Jesus and the apostles. We have to go back to the past and recover the identity of the church that was founded by Christ the Apostles to continue into the present. Because the apostolic church gives us the blueprint, the map, if you would, to re-evangelizing this post-Christian culture. Now, Forgive me for this silly analogy, but in my younger days, I was known to frequent Dairy Queen quite often. During lunchtime, I would purchase the full meal deal. And I don't know, I haven't gone near a Dairy Queen in a long time, and for good reason, folks. I put weight on just looking at a Dairy Queen now. But in my younger days, I'd get the full meal deal. You get the burger, you get the fries, and you get the drink, and this is most important of all, you get the ice cream cone. And I'd pay a little extra to get it like chocolate dipped cone. <laughs> and by the way, the full meal deal pulled in a lot of young people like myself at the time. Now, what we've got to do is take our cue, or if you prefer, our DQ, from the apostolic church, and we have to offer the full meal deal to post-Christian culture. And what is the full meal deal? It is embodying all the presence, all the ministry, all the spirituality of Jesus Christ just like the apostolic church did. Now, we could spend a lot of time talking about the apostolic church and the way it expressed holistically and incarnationally the presence and ministry of Jesus Christ. We're just going to look at a few things, especially in light of our Scripture reading in 1 Thessalonians 1 today. 
And the first thing I want to really look at is that like the apostolic church, we need to recover that apostolic identity and begin to express the undivided spirituality of Christ and the apostolic church. We must express the undivided spirituality of Christ and the apostolic church. We need to holistically be charismatic, evangelical, and sacramental. The full meal deal. And I know what some of you are thinking. You know, well, I, I prefer just the fries, Father John. I prefer the cone. And honestly, if I had to choose between it all, I would prefer the cone chocolate dipped. But now we have to holistically express all of who Jesus is and all of what He does. He was charismatic. Our Lord was evangelical. Our Lord was sacramental. Now forgive me, the history teacher is coming out right now in me. The history teacher. I was a history teacher at one time. and I want to just quickly retrace the steps of how we got from a culture of Western Christendom to a culture of Western post-Christendom. How do we get to this post-Christian place in our history? And I know some of you who are listening, you're in that transition right now. Maybe you're in the Bible Belt. Somewhere where the church is super important and I'm thankful for that. I'm glad for that. But even so, most of the nation, most of the United States and, and almost all of Canada has, has gone or is going through a post-Christian transition here. And so how did that happen? First of all, is that during the age of Christendom, the church became cultural. It became culturally Christian. That means the culture and the Christian church were entwined with each other. In fact, it was so entwined that within the United States, denominations began to spring up, a plethora of denominationalism. In fact, the world got denominationalism from the church in the United States. And how did that happen? Because we were culturally Christian. Because because there, there was a group of Christians who were fellowshipping together and one group said, we like our fries battered. The other group said, oh, we prefer fries unbattered. Another group said, you should blanch the fries before you put it back in the fryer. <laughs> so, we became exclusive in our denominational identities. That's how Christian we were. We could afford to say, well, we're Presbyterians and we don't hang with Methodists. We're Baptists and we would never let the Pentecostals set foot in our building. You see, we were afforded the luxury of being exclusive to other Christians because we were so culturally Christian. This cultural... Christianity began to give way as post-modernity and post-Christianism began to creep into our society. And then we began to be cafeteria Christians rather than apostolic Christians. Cafeteria Christians are like, how can we get cultural Christians, those, of the, those who are left of the cultural Christians, how can we get them to come to our building? 
What flavor of the month would they prefer? Well, we're going to offer butterscotch dip cones. That will bring them in. And folks, we can look out there in the church culture today, and we can see especially in evangelicalism and Protestantism that there is a flavor of the month going on out there. And, and it is reaping, and I think to an extent effectively reaping the last of the cultural Christians that exist. And it's doing it by offering the flavor of the month, but it's not particularly apostolic. In the 1960s, 1960s and 70s, we saw that even cafeteria Christianity was beginning to give way to cafeteria religion. Suddenly, people had other choices besides the church with the religion. In the 60s and 70s, what did we see? The rise of the occult and the rise of the new age. We also, in our day and age, we see cafeteria religion coming swiftly into the next generation in the form of neo-paganism. The fastest growing religion. I didn't say it's the biggest religion, but the fastest growing religion in the West is neo-paganism. You know, Satan's going back to his first original plan, paganism. The other day I was teaching at a high school. I was wearing my St. Aidan Celtic cross and I looked at a kid. He had a, he had a pendant hanging around his neck and a, a pectoral pendant and it was Thor's hammer. And honestly, folks, I don't think he was fooling around. And I felt like I, I wasn't supposed to really broach this with him, but for goodness sakes, he was worshiping the false gods, the demonic gods of my ancestors. I'm, I'm Nordic, for those of you listening through the internet. My ancestors came from Norway. And thank God they were delivered from paganism, but we're going back in that direction. We're also seeing this slide into post-modernity where people are realizing, for whatever reason, that they don't need religion at all. I was watching a documentary on religion in Scandinavia. Like I said, I have Scandinavian ancestry. My great-grandfather and grandmother were from Norway. And they were in Sweden interviewing people on the street, asking them what they thought of religion, and this this older Swedish man looks at the camera and he's astonished by the question. He says, I have no need for a God. He had no need for a God. And this is what's happening in the West and in America, that people are becoming in this category what is called nons. Have you heard of it? They're nothing. They don't have a religion. In fact, they might be called as agnostic it's not that they don't believe or they're not sure whether or not they believe. They don't even think about it. They're just nonce. Religion plays no part of who they are in their lives from birth until the time of death. In this post-Christian context, the church has to recover our apostolic identity. We have to offer the full meal deal just 
like the early church did. And in regards to spirituality, we have to offer the undivided spirituality of the apostolic church that was founded by Christ and the disciples. It was charismatic. The apostolic church was evangelical and it was sacramental. There wasn't a charismatic wing of it. There wasn't a sacramental wing. There wasn't an evangelical wing. It was holistically that. Because that's who their Lord was who founded the church. And that's what Paul is saying to these Thessalonians. He said, remember this, that our Gospel came to you not only in Word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. This Greek word, full conviction, literally could be translated as fullness. Fullness. In other words, what Paul is saying is that when we came to you Thessalonians, we offered you the full meal deal. Word, sacrament, spirit. Because that's what it took to bring you into the church and into the life of Christ and into eternal salvation. That's what we've got to do in this post-Christian context. Some time ago, I was invited to minister and speak at a small youth group. It was mostly middle schoolers, young teenagers. And most of the kids were a little bit feral. Some of them were a lot feral. Pretty wild kids. Not church kids. The youth pastor was doing a great job reaching kids that were unreached. She asked me to come in and offer the kiddos the full meal deal. So, by the grace of God, I came in. I stopped at Dairy Queen beforehand. No, I didn't. (laughs) But I came with the full meal deal. By the grace of God. I did a little leading him with worship using guitar. I borrowed a guitar, led a little bit of worship. They didn't know any worship songs because they were street kids. They were secular kids. So, but they did know Jesus loves me, so we sang Jesus loves me. I preached to them a pretty challenging message. Pretty challenging message. Again, hot button topic of our days. I touched on the hot topic of our days about sexuality and sexual identity, gender identity. I warned them they were being brainwashed and groomed. And then I said, let's wait on the Lord and see what He has to say. And the Lord gave me a word of knowledge by way of impression that among those seven or eight kiddos, that someone in there had been cutting themselves. And God wanted them to know that the voice they were hearing telling them to cut themselves was not their voice at all. It was the voice of the demonic. And to resist it, and to understand that God wanted something better for them. Better than self-hatred. Better than anger. Better than anguish whatever the enemy was using to get them to do this. So I had a few more words of knowledge and 
I, I just said, you know, among those eight people, I said, if anybody wants to come up for prayer, come up. The first one to come up was a little girl. She didn't call herself by a girl's name. She called herself by a boy's name. And she said, you know that, that thing God told you? That was about me. I've been self-harming and I'm in counseling for it. I said, well, can we pray for you? And we gathered around her and we prayed for her. And her life was lit on fire by the power of God. Because he was a God who was real, who came in word and power. Word and power. If I would have been there long enough, it would have came in sacrament too. <laughs> we would have baptized her <laughs> eventually. But I kind of followed up with her a little bit after that, and the youth pastor said she was doing incredible. She was doing incredible. Her life was being changed by the power of Christ. You see, we have to have an undivided spirituality. We can't say, well, all that charismatic stuff, that's their thing. That sacramental stuff is that's their thing. That evangelical stuff is their thing. We've got to bring it back together because that's who the early church was. That's who Jesus was. And while we're offering, by the way, while we're offering the full meal deal, the apostolic full meal deal, all the presence and ministry of Jesus, we have to learn how to do it missionally, just like the early church. Missionally, missionally, missionally. What is missionally? Look at verse 5 of 3 Thessalonians 1.5. Paul says that our gospel came to you. He didn't say you all came here. He said it came to you. We came to you. The first meaning of word and power that Jesus was involved in in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, the next day after Jesus goes in the desert and a lonely place to pray, a quiet place up before the break of dawn, the disciples find Him and say, hey, let's get back here. They're looking for you. And Jesus says, no, we've got to be moving on. We've got to be missional. Now, Capernaum was His home base, but Christ and the apostles were missional. They were going out and out and out. When Paul and Barnabas, they had Antioch as their home base, but they kept going out and out. Three missionary journeys, right? With Paul, probably a fourth. St. Columba, St. Columba, the Irish monk and evangelist, used the Isle of Iona to go and evangelize the Pictish, Pictish people of Scotland, a people the Romans could not conquer, but the church conquered them. With word and power and sacrament. Word, sacrament, and spirit. St. Aidan, dear St. Aidan, Isle of Lindisfarne, right off the coast of Northumbria, the Anglo Saxons had invaded and conquered British, Celtic, Christian Britain. And the Irish monks, St. Aidan, says, We're going to re evangelize this place. We're going to reach the Anglo Saxons. They're pagans. We've got to offer the full meal deal and we've got to learn to do it missionally. We go. 
We have a home base, and from our home base we go, and we go, and we go, and we come back again, and we go, and we go, and we send, and we send, and we return, and we send again. We're the sending church. We're the missional church. Gather and send. Gather and send. In fact, if you look at what the word mass means in Latin, we go to mass, it means to be sent. The last act of the Mass, of the Christian worship. You don't have to call it a Mass. The Christian apostolic order of worship is the sending. It's being missional. Pope Francis said this, brothers and sisters, Christendom no longer exists. We're not the ones who create culture anymore. Nor are we in the forefront of those most listened to. Now get this. Francis says, we need a change of pastoral mentality. Folks, celebrate your tribe. Your Presbyterians celebrate your tribe. Your Methodists celebrate your tribe. Your Catholics celebrate your tribe. Your Baptists or Pentecostals celebrate your tribe. But don't be tribal. Get rid of the tribalism. You see, brothers and sisters, it's time to cast off the vestiges of cultural Christianity because we don't live in Christendom anymore. And those who insist on the vestiges of cultural Christianity, well, we've seen what happens. We've seen the empty churches here in the Portland area. In the upper Midwest, we've seen the churches turn into mosques. They're seeing that in Europe. To do that, to do that, we've got to recover our apostolic DNA. Inside of every tribe of the church is that apostolic DNA. We have to prioritize the re-evangelization of the post-Christian West in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fullness. In fullness. I want to encourage you. I started this message with bad news, but with good news I'm ending it is that there is, there are masses of people in the post-Christian West who are hungry to feed on Jesus. They don't know it. It's counterintuitive to them, but they're longing. They're hungry to feed on Jesus and Word and sacrament on Spirit. They're hungry to pull in for the full meal deal. What do you think? What do you think? It's exciting times, isn't it? It's just exciting times, but, but let's not kid ourselves. Oh, we've got work to do. We've got work to do and we've got hard changes to make. But brothers and sisters, may God reteach all of us the apostolic recipe to create their full meal deal that we may faithfully embody, live it, and serve it to a starving world. Amen? You've been listening to the Hope on the Way podcast with Father John Ahmed. We invite you to subscribe or follow this podcast on your preferred podcasting platform. To find out more about Hope on the Way Ministries and Father John, check out our website at hopeontheway.info. 
That's hopeontheway.info. Now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.